This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. Welcome, everyone, to this very special segment on super herbs. Super herbs are something that have really taken the health food scene by storm over the last couple of years. David Wolf has been a champion for the super herbs. Ever since they've come onto the scene, David, you've been really championing them as part of the super herb, super food strategy to incorporate into one's daily regimen, especially in the daily smoothies. This is under the sort of the category of upgrading our nutritional operating system. So many of you maybe have seen some of the videos that we've done on upgrading our operating system. And super herbs are definitely the key to upgrading our operating system here. And we've taken smoothies nowadays from sort of like the banana, strawberry, fruit smoothie. Now we've taken it up a notch and we've taken it into the superfood smoothie with raw cacao powder, things like macuna, tribula, shilajit, some of the really amazing high-powered herbs. So today we're going to talk about some of the herbs. So before we kick into the specific herbs in general, can you just talk about the super herb revolution, why you kind of jumped on board right away, and about upgrading our nutritional operating system? I think a lot of the super herb revolution for me has a lot to do with Truth Calkins. Uh, I think it was maybe back in 2002 when Truth Calkins first served me up reishi mushroom and cornered me in a health food store and blasted me for two or three hours about reishi mushroom. And I'm like, you know what? I, I better try this. And so I got a bunch of reishi and just that's what started off the whole herbal revolution for me. And I, I really, I, I believe, was educated very well by Truth and also Ron Teagarden and also some of the wild herbalists out there like Yule Gibbons and his books. And also I was educated just by experience, just by taking the stuff and using it and seeing what happens. The super revolution is the idea that we don't need herb number 1,111. We don't need herb number 444. We don't need herb number 333 on the list of the greatest herbs ever. What we need is herb number one and then number two and then number three. And those are what we call tonic herbs or super herbs that can be eaten like food regularly. And they don't have subtle toxins like dandelion has, for example, where you have to kind of lay off it for a while or garlic. You eat garlic for a while. It starts coming out of every pore. It, it, it becomes a little bit overwhelming on your system. So these tonic herbs are completely different. They can be eaten like food, and they're very subtle in their effect, but the effects are long-lasting. Also, with the great tonic herbs or super herbs, they are time-proven. They have been here for thousands of years. They've been eaten by humans for thousands of years. There are whole herbal systems involving millions and millions of people over those thousands of years that have evolved around them. They work on generating more immunity, for example, or lowering our immunity if we have an autoimmune condition. They work on increasing our bone density. They work on increasing our eyesight, improving our eyesight. They can help us increase our cognition. They can help to, us to live longer. They can help speed up our reflexes. They can help us adapt to very intense climates or low oxygen environments, so they're adaptogenic. They generally work on a number of different meridian treasures, like some of them are Jing herbs and some of them are Shen herbs. So they work on our Jing energy, our kidney, adrenal core meridian. They also work on our heart meridian, which is Shen, our aura. So they have multiple pathways that they can work in. And it seems like every herbal system in the world has identified somewhere between 5 and 70 herbs that fall into this super herb category. Okay, awesome. We're going to jump into some of the specific herbs, and I know one of your favorite is Makuna purians, and this is part of the 
legume family, which is very interesting, and it has amazing effects on our L-DOPA. It contains high concentrations, I know, of levodopa, which is a direct precursor of the neurotransmitter dopamine. It's been used in traditional Ayurvedic Indian medicine for things like Parkinson's disease and other type of neurological disorders. Can you talk about why Makuna is one of your, you know, I know it's one of your top five now. It's somewhere in the top five, maybe even the top three. What is it that you like to get out of Makuna and what keeps you using it and, and what are some of the things that you've experienced from it? Makuna is present in all the tropical ecosystems and all the tropical herbal systems around the whole world. So it was used in India and Ayurveda. It was also used in the Amazon and in Africa. The word Makuna comes from the Shipibo word Makunen. So it's actually an American word. It's a Native American word. And Makunas are a class of leguminous vines that grow up into the jungle canopy and form their amazing pods with an edible seed that tastes like a peanut. And then that will drop back down or you have to go up there and grab them. And then you take that and you peel out the hard layer on the outside you mash that up, and then you can do all kinds of things with it. Also, Makuna products, like what's on Longevity Warehouse, that are already powdered and extracted for you are available, which is a little bit easier for the layperson. But I got so excited about Makuna that I started growing it, and I have been growing it, and I love it, and it is absolutely amazing. I am absolutely impressed with what that plant is. I think it's the fastest-growing plant in the whole world. I think it's the Jack and the Beanstalk plant. It will. I've seen a Makuna grow four inches in one hour. I saw that happen. I saw that with my own two eyes. I was baffled. It baffled me. I realized that we really know very little about plants. We really know very little about the great tonic herbs and the super herbs, but I'm learning more myself in my own research by growing them, and, and that's how inspired I was just from eating the Makuna extract powders that are out there and like the kind that's on Longevity Warehouse. It's a super jing herb. It's one of the most powerful jing herbs there is which means it feeds right into your kidney, adrenal, meridian. It's got all the precursors for all of the neurotransmitters, including dopamine, which is it has an extraordinary level of levodopa or L-dopa in it, more than any other plant in the world. And this area about dopamine has not actually really made it out to the public's ear yet. The, the dopamine problem that we're dealing with with a world that's taking tons of stimulants all day long just to keep going from eating all the junk food and toxic lifestyle and all the coffee stimulants, the tobacco, the alcohol, the whatever, the marijuana, whatever people are doing to keep going is going to inevitably sap out dopamine. And then once you're sapped out of dopamine, then you end up with a Parkinson's type of condition. And that would mean then that something that contains L-dopa should have immediate effects on somebody who has Parkinson's. And that is definitely true of Makuna. Lacuna is very, very powerful if you have Parkinson's disease, and it was the number one recommended herb for the condition. So that's something of important note. There's another thing about Lacuna is that it's a restorative. It just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, and there appears to be no upper limit, and there appears to be nothing but good things to be said about Lacuna historically. It's really an outrageous super herb, I have to say. Makuna is one of those things that has captured my imagination and really got me into growing it. Now I'm not only growing it, but I'm taking huge amounts of it and I'm, I'm mashing it up, I'm extracting it in cacao butter. In the old days, they used to extract it like in India, they'd extract it in, in cow's milk for the fat or ghee. There's something fat-soluble in Makuna that's really strong. 
Now I use cacao butter at low temperature, just liquefy it, melt it, and then put the makuna in there all mashed up and then just swirl it all up. And that's how I deal with the fresh material. With a cold extracted or powdered material, you're good to go. You just throw that in with chocolate drinks and you're ready to go. Makuna has been eaten with chocolate for thousands of years in the Amazon. And, you know, Dave, it's one of those things where it's not a hard sell for your friends and family either because it's one of those herbs that on its own, it tastes okay. It tastes pretty good, actually. Some of them, you know, like shilajit tastes okay, but it's a, sometimes can be a little bit bitter. Some of the other herbs can be like tribulus a little bit bitter. Makuna tastes good. It does taste good. It's, it's really easy to use because of that. And one of the things that's so interesting about Makuna is it's like once you get on it, you start asking your friends, is it okay to be doing Makuna every day? I mean, are you on the Makuna program too? And you find out everybody else is doing that too. Everybody else just seems to realize that there's something very restorative about Makuna. It's very restorative to the kidney adrenal jing energy. It's a jing herb, one of the greatest in the world. And because it has that ranking, it's something that we all need to give a good close look at. Okay, great. And the second one I want to talk about, which I know less about, and I really rely upon it heavily, mainly on your recommendation and just the effects I've seen of it, is Shilajit. And I know Shilajit in Ayurvedic system has gotten top ranking, and Shilajit is something that it's been used for, again, thousands of years. It means or has the, the, the connotation of the destroyer of weakness. I think the actual translation means ex- exuding from the rock. And it has the implication of, of squeezing out weaknesses in your in your cells, in your humors. Can you talk a little bit about shilajit and the kind of the, the, the breaking up effects of shilajit with the humic and fulvic acids and why that is so beneficial, especially especially in the decalcification program? Well, you pretty much covered it right there. Shilajit is a mineral pitch from the Himalayas that's been used in Ayurvedic medicine for at least 5,000 years. Some people believe it's actually 10,000 years, and it has the number one ranking in the Ayurvedic system, and it's not even an herbal substance. It's actually like a mineral pitch type of substance. It's, it's almost a little bit like, like a slightly roasted kind of a flavor to it, and it is one of the great things to go into chocolate drinks or kind of like faux coffee types of drinks if you want to try to fake a coffee. Shilajit covers a little bit of that kind of roasted flavor that it naturally has. Shilajit is a, is a mineral pitch that's very high in fulvic acid and ulmic acid and humic acid. And all of those acids are known to be excellent euthaners, decalcifiers, and they increase your ability to uptake minerals. So they have all of those effects at once. Fulvic acid is one of the greatest substances that's been discovered in the 20th century. It's not only nutritive for us and helps us detoxify, but it's nutritive for the soil. It can be used for your plants, and that's how I actually got into fulvic acid. I even used shilajit in soils to help with a certain plant as a kind of a little medicine for the plant. And so shilajit can be used in that way. It's able to go any direction. That's another thing about shilajit. Let's say you're going. Let's say you're doing a salad and you're trying to make a little salad dressing. You could literally put the, the shilajit in salad dressing, and it works, and it will take you that direction. Um, let's say you're going to go in the direction of a smoothie, like a fruit smoothie. It will work there. We'll go with fruit. Let's say you're going to do a, a, a cacao elixir. It will go that direction and work with cacao, and it will work on that. Let's say you're going to mix up a bunch of herbs, 
put them in a capsule and want it to get it delivered into somebody's body so it's actually going to work. In Ayurveda, you would always use Shila Sheet because it's a potentiator. It delivers. It helps your body uptake whatever other herbs are present with it. Like you said, it's known as the destroyer of weakness. Generally believed to contain over 80 minerals. Wow. Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is one of those herbs that are generally considered to be great for men, but I know that you've said that they're great for men and women, and it's been used for things like chronic fatigue, dehydration, overcoming muscle weakness and tension. So it seems to have something with restoring lost energy. Uh, it's been, it's been again, used for many, many, many centuries. This is one of those herbs that has no negative known side effects. Can you talk a little bit about ashwagandha and some of the, the uses that you use ashwagandha for and some of the things you've experienced in terms of the health benefits of ashwagandha? I, I was so inspired by ashwagandha, which is essentially the ginseng of the Ayurvedic medicinal system. And ashwagandha is a distant relative of the goji berry. It kind of looks like a little goji berry. It's prized for its root. And the root of ashwagandha is something you harvest after three years. You can go even four, five, six, or seven years, and then you pull it out. So it's not like ginseng where you have to leave it in the ground for 75 years or 100 years, and, and then it becomes even better. It's something that you pretty much you procure pretty quickly out of the ground. It does have a shape like the man. It's generally considered to be one of the most powerful male virility tonics. It, it, and it is a tonic. It's not very, very overt in its aphrodisiac property. It's very subtle. More and more women are taking ashwagandha now, taken by women, because it's very supportive of thyroid health. And more and more women are suffering from thyroid disorders. More women than men suffer from thyroid disorders. If you're a woman or a man, you should be taking ashwagandha if you have anything going with the thyroid. There's a bunch of natural phytochemicals and alkaloids in ashwagandha, all different kinds of names for it. And what, the, what we're seeing in all human and animal studies on ashwagandha is it's, it's generally for weakness. If you're just feeling weak, general debility, impotence, um, fatigue, nervous system exhaustion, it will restore that vigor. It lets you don't have any of those problems. Then it keeps taking you higher and higher and higher. It's a, it's a known adaptogen. If you're an athlete, it's going to give you an extra 10 to 15% like every other adaptogen. So whatever stresses you're dealing with, let's say it's an endurance stress or a physical fitness stress or a mental stress or an emotional stress or a low oxygen in the environment stress, ashwagandha is a known adaptogen that restores and normalizes your body's function in any given area and actually improves things by about 10 to 15%. Okay, awesome. And the next two that I want to talk about are close to your heart because you grow them, and this is noni and holy basil. And I know noni is it's, it's the uh, namesake of your research facility in Hawaii, Noni Land, and we've gone there, myself, Rebecca, and Len, we've shot some great video there, and we know that you spend some of your time there uh, every year doing research and just enjoying what you've created there. So can you talk a little bit about Noni, the fruit. This is this is a tropical fruit that you've got a great great familiarity with. You have it growing all over your property, and in fact, it's growing all over the Hawaiian island there. And can you talk a little bit about noni? What got you into noni? And what are some unique little known facts about noni that would uh, interest our listeners? Um, I, I again was so inspired by noni many years ago. I was on the Big Island of Hawaii. We were doing a retreat, 
to a health food store and they had real noni juice. It wasn't the noni wine and the noni vinegar that's sweetened up with all these fruit juices. It was actually a, a, a pulp fruit that had been strained, so there was no seed particles or anything in it. And I drank two of those, and like an hour later, I was like, I feel like I'm high. Like, what's going on? Like, what is happening? <laughs> what did I have this morning? So I, I finally realized that maybe it's maybe it's a noni. So I went back to the health food store the next day, and I did it again. And the same thing happened like an hour later. And I was like, this is unbelievable. This stuff is amazing. Just in what it did to me and from a psychoactive level. Very, very subtle. Very, very positive. And I've seen that over and over since all those years ago. That was back in like 2001 or 2002. All these years later, I look back on that and I go, wow, I have seen so many instances of Noni's positive effect on neurological health. It's pure polysaccharide. It's pure medicine. It's pure ormus, you know, which is carried in the polysaccharide. There, there's another thing about Noni that's going on that we, we definitely have to get into, and it's, it's overall effect on vigor and jing. So I went and I pulled out a noni tree and harvested its root. It was just a year-old plant, and I sacrificed it in, in order to make a particular type of medicine I was making that was consisting of four traditional Hawaiian super herbs, passion root, kava kava, turmeric, and noni root. And and I pulled this little tree out. It's, I'm talking small, maybe the width of a centimeter. That was its greatest diameter. Pulled that thing out, took the root off, cut the root off, and one root took it off, stripped off the cucurmins, and it's actually, noni has more cucurmins in it and cucurminoids than turmeric does. It, you know the, the yellow staining part of turmeric? Noni is twice as powerful as turmeric in cucurminoids. So it's twice as powerful as a healer and anti-inflammatory and blood purifier in terms of the root than, than turmeric is. Most people are not aware of that. And Morinda in Chinese medicine is considered preeminent yin jing herb. And guess what? Morinda citrifolia is noni. So it's a very close relative of noni that's being used in Chinese medicine for thousands of years. But noni is more powerful than even that Morinda, the other Morinda variety. So I, I made that tincture. I threw the noni in a pile, like in a pile of like compost. A year later, Canvas came to me, and, and she runs our, our Noni Land um, enterprise, and she said, that tree is still alive. It actually rerooted and grew back. This is a tree. This is like a centimeter in thickness. That, that's, un, that's unheard of for a fruit tree. I've also seen that when a Noni tree is cut down and piled up in logs, it will reroot and grow in that case. I also saw this. I saw a Noni tree that was cut down, like cut, completely chopped, and a bunch of medicinal mushrooms got into it, and it was growing mushrooms. The noni came back with such vigor that it drove off the mushrooms completely and reclaimed itself and regrew. That's how that happened. Noni is top superfood. It's, it's probably the most powerful thing ever. I, I can hardly say enough about noni. It's immune system. It's connective tissue. It's neurological health. It's vigor and vitality. It's um, digestive wellness, digestive health. It's a very, very powerful anti-inflammatory, both the fruit and the root. The leaves contain omega-3 fatty acids. The seeds contain omega-3 fatty acids. So noni leaf tea actually tastes like coca tea because it has omega-3 fatty acids in it. it. It's a pretty extraordinary thing to tap into the magic of noni. And we finally figured out over many years how to get the magic off of the Hawaiian Islands because we, they weren't allowing us to ship fresh noni back to the mainland 
and we figured out that you have to just dice up the fresh fruits, dehydrate them, crush them to a powder, and that powder does have the magic in it. So you can actually use noni powder in many of your beverages. It really, really goes well with citrus fruit. So if you like orange juice or grapefruit juice or you like doing lemonades or limeades, then you put noni into that, and it kind of fills it out with a little bit of body and gives it a little bit more energy. And there's there's two follow-ups to this particular segment on noni, and that is one 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 caveat about noni is we have got to give a disclaimer on the taste of noni. So how have you managed to? I, I love the advice on adding it to citrus because if you mix it with lemon, grapefruit, orange, it it does go very well with that. It it doesn't necessarily go with like the traditional brown super food, super smoothie drink. What have you been doing in terms of like tricks to get noni in, in, into the uh, the flavor category and and and, and work with it that way because it does have a very unique, distinctive taste that some people find even offensive. <laughs> That's true of fresh noni. There's no question about that. I mean, fresh noni tastes like a Dr. Scholl's foot odor absorber. And when I first ate noni, I thought that my friend had tricked me. It was one of those kind of things. And I realized he didn't. And I was stoked. I thought I was being made a fool of. And then I realized, wait, he's not tricking me. This is actually it. Um, so noni is is very weird in its taste. It's very bizarre. Now, if you blend it with coconut water, you turn it inside out and strain it out, and you drink that, then it's much, much more doable. If you get it into a powder, it's very doable as well. It's not like the fresh fruit. You would take that powder, of course, and mix it with citrus. That's why it's called Mirinda Citrifoli. It has such an awesome affinity for citrus fruits, and citrus fruits tend to cover it up. You can also take noni powder and blend it into coconut water, and that also covers it up pretty well, so it makes it very doable. But you got to pay to play. That's how noni is. <laughs> you got to pay to play. you got to deal with the smell and that stuff in order to really get the thing turned on. By the way, with noni, you can create all kinds of blue cheese dressings because it tastes like cheese. So you right. can make raw blue cheese dressings. You can make amazing dressings like that. And one of the guys who lives on our farm, Coda, He's the guy who really developed the cheesy kale chip recipe. He is the guy who's behind that. He cracked that recipe, which is now a massive food product all over every health food store in North America. It's absolutely a sensation. So this guy is a food genius, and he has made all kinds of amazing noni substances and noni treats and noni appetizers that that are like cheese. So you get that cheese flavor like blue cheese dressing, if you like that. And this brings us to the, the second part, which is that when we talk about Noni and we talk about Noni land products, we're not just talking about your average everyday products coming out of Hawaii. We're talking about specific products that come from this research facility, which which is now housing a, a collection of raw food geniuses, including yourself, which is producing some extraordinary levels of food, especially Noni. I mean, there's Noni grows all over the Hawaiian Islands, but your noni in particular is taken such good care of and it's given such amazing nutrients for the soil. Can you talk a little bit about what goes into your noni land products just so people understand what's being actually done there? Because if you have the opportunity, if you're listening to this interview and you have the opportunity to go to thebestaver.com, you can actually see some of the footage that we shot from noni land and some of the extraordinary things that you guys do over there. Can you talk a little bit about that so people just appreciate what's coming out of noni land research facility? The very first thing that we decided to do with Noni Land was to grow the best food ever in the best way possible. 
Noni land is naturally situated in a Noni forest. So there are ancient and wild Noni trees already there. We have also been cultivating all different kinds of unique Noni cultivars. And we start from the soil all the way up. We use ocean water on our Noni, which Noni does very well on ocean water. We prepare very unique soils for the Noni so it gets the maximum amount of ormus into its polysaccharide fraction of its fruit. We even your feed noni and all our other fruit trees there, which means we spray them with a compost tea that has certain types of bacteria that will get all over the tree and actually make the tree have a very strong immune system and produce better quality fruit and food right away. And that's something that we do there. Of course, we do everything organically beyond organic. We use spirulina manure instead of any kind of cow manure on all our noni trees. So that's how we get our phosphorus into the ground. And that's also or we're able to get some of that big island mana onto our farm. We go into one of the giant rivers on the island, and we actually dig up the river silt and bring that back in buckets and then shovel that into a big pile. We mix that into all our soils that go into or onto all our fruit trees. We use all different kinds of rock dust. We use um, mycelium, the best mycelium in the world, in order to develop a healthy ecoculture underneath the soil so that the tree is the tree's roots are happy and they're able to uptake the minerals because mycelium and the medicinal mushrooms in the soil act as an extension of the root. So they, they will act to make the root go further out and get more nutrients that way. Um, all, all, our, all our trees are treated with love and they're looked after individually. So we try to get ocean water onto every single tree every couple months or so, and, and we do succeed in doing that. We'll also use all different kinds of things like fulvic acid, I'll use different, like, sulfur compounds that I'm playing around with, like MSM types of compounds. I will use beach sand. I will go down to the beach and crush up a bunch of coral, mix that in, put that in the soils with the noni. I put and hang orchids in the noni, including vanilla. We have vanilla growing in some of our noni trees, which is really wonderful. And we, we just do everything in a way where as much intent as possible to grow the best food ever is occurring with every noni tree that we've got. And we also, above and beyond all of that, we'll take dead sea salt, make ormus extracts. We will take vortex water and all the other ormus technologies that we're using, and we'll do those on the noni as much as we possibly can at every turn in order to just get that fraction of the ormus higher in the noni. Not only all of that, not only all of that, Lou, we also compost all the nonis and every tree on our whole property with coconut um, husks, and coconut husk and, and coconut fiber makes for a wonderful food for a fruit tree. Awesome, and everything Dave just described, you can see on thebestdaver.com, we've got the footage of him cracking open the coconuts and using, like he says, those husks as, as beneficial food for the noni trees. You can see the, the footage of the, the, the rock fires that you guys did, and then you breaking up the rock uh, and collecting the rock dust and putting those on the trees, the ocean water going on the trees, so it you know, I've seen that in action. I've seen actually you doing everything you just described. You've done you've done that yourself. You just don't like hire. You know, you just don't hire a group of people to do it. You're actually you're you're doing that yourself. Yeah, I do it. That's what I do in my spare time when I'm there, and I'll do everything. I'll do all of that. Not only that, we get a big fire going on the property, and we're able to get some rocks into that fire and bust a bunch of rocks up. We actually take our own rocks on the property that are then broken up by the heat of the fire take that rock dust, put them onto all our fruit trees, and the ash also. So there's all different kinds of alchemy going on there on the soil. 
it's, it's really done with a biodynamic type of angle. Everything's done to, in order to maximize the will of that fruit tree. So it, it will produce the most extraordinary fruit that's possible for that fruit tree in that environment. Let's wrap this interview up with holy basil. Holy basil is something I've seen you grow on your property. You've got a great affection and love for holy basil. Can you talk a little bit about holy basil? I don't know that much about holy basil. Like you mentioned at the beginning of this interview, Truth Calkins turned me on to holy basil. It was those little black gel caps at first. Now I know we carry holy basil powdered extract, and holy basil is one of those herbs that, again, is regarded very highly in the Ayurvedic system. It seems to calm the sympathetic nervous system down, kind of kind of a very calming type of herb. Can you talk a little bit about holy basil, how you got into it, how you use it, and how you would recommend people to use the powdered holy basil, which I'm still not sure of how to incorporate it into my own protocol. Okay, well, powdered holy basil is pretty darn strong. It's probably best included in a lemonade type of a drink, something that has a little bit of a citrus to kind of cut into the flavor a little bit, or a pineapple. That also works pretty darn well. Uh, holy basil is like premier female adaptogen herb from the Ayurvedic system, and it, it's kind of a super basil. It's like a, it's like maca is to cruciferous vegetables what tulsi is to the to the family of basils. In, in Australia, they say basil, or in the UK, they say basil. But anyway, the holy basil has an enormous amount of adaptogenic properties where it helps us adapt to the different types of stresses that we face. It's also a very powerful anti fungal, very powerful, known to be antifungal according to the research that's been done on it. It's also a very strong antioxidant. That's, a number, that, that's probably the number one thing that it's known for. It does have anti-inflammatory and cognition-enhancing properties, so it can make you a little bit sharper. When you eat holy basil, it has an oil in it, and that oil will light you up. It lights up your brain almost instantly. That property of holy basil for me personally caused me to kind of like eat holy basil whenever I walk past a holy basil bush. Just one bite into the leaf brings out that oil and that magic kind of enzymatic antioxidant feel that you get um, that, that lights up your brain. There is hypoglycemic uh, alleviating effects in holy basil. And holy basil has the ability to kind of take down our mineral deficiency problems. It's, it's such a nutrient-packed leaf, and it is a, the leaf that we're eating here, that it actually can start to push back symptoms of hypoglycemia. And for that reason, it's anti-diabetic. It works across the nervous system, the cardiovascular system. It works across the gastrointestinal tract. It's also a jing herb. It's, it works in the kidneys. Generally more favored by women. It's generally more of a feminine herb. However, men can eat it too. In Ayurveda, they say this, that if you don't have a holy basil in front of your house, you don't have a house. You've got to plant one right in front of your house. It will grow in the subtropics all the way to the tropics, and we, of course, have one growing right in front of Noni Land. Okay, awesome. Well, Dave, we want to thank you so much for taking your time out of your Australian tour to join us for some amazing information segments. Is there anything that you could share with us about your trip to Australia so far, anything that you've gleaned into uh What's happening over there in the health food scene or any cool cool happenings in the raw food, superfood movement over there? What's What's been your experience there? We've had an incredible tour here. There's great openness of the people. I think there's a lot to be said about the future of Australia for health food. I think it can be a mecca for the future. Everybody is open. Everybody's into being healthy. Everybody likes to go to the beach. Everybody likes to go jogging. 
everybody's into surfing. The, the fitness thing here has so influenced me that I've actually been doing yoga every morning and then doing another workout of some sort in the afternoon every single day that I've been on, on in Western Australia now. So this is day four of being over on this side. So it's been a wonderful experience overall. We had a great time at a hot springs over near Melbourne, and then we also did the Great Ocean Road where we were able to get down there, and we found the Russian wild blackberry is an invasive species down there. We were foraging wild blackberries. We found some wild apples. We also found some wild mushrooms. We were making teas. A lot of amazing superfoods have made it down here. A lot of acai has been floating around. Of course, cacao is like crazy over here, and and they're just going right along with, with what's happening in North America. They, they get it right away, and they're adapting very quickly, and I can see that this place will be a mecca uh, for for health food for the future, and it's going to be attracting a lot of people, I believe, from some of the more immediate areas that are close to here. For example, Tokyo, Seoul, and even China is a very close destination. And as what we do, our raw foods and superfoods and super herbs and our living water revolution develop, it's going to penetrate into Asia. I did so much media down here. I've never done so much media in my whole life. I did 10 media appearances on the first day I was in Australia. I did six the next day. I've done at least 25 media appearances or more since I've been here, a lot of them going into Asia. There was a program where they came and filmed me talking about raw foods and and the importance of raw foods, and that is actually going into mainland China. Wow. Millions and millions of people are going to see this. So all those people are going to go, where do we go? And it's very easy to come down to Australia. It's close. So it's going to create a, a lot of action down here, and, and I can tell you they're ready down here. Well, I saw you on that Australian, I think it was a morning news show, where you did the chocolate, where they had the chocolate fountain, and they had the, uh, the, the man and the woman there talking to you about raw chocolate. It was great to see you on Australian TV. They're giving some great information to the people down there. It, it was great. In fact, that went so well. That's the biggest morning show in Australia on the Australian television. They actually had me back the next week, so I was actually on that program twice. And, and the same could be said on a number of radio shows. There was a tremendous amount of magazine articles that were written. I was on a TV show here the other day. I was on a kid's TV show here two days ago or three days ago. So much happening here in Australia. Very promising for the future. And they seem much more connected to the earth there. Just in, in the, uh, the friends that I've had from, I've had friends also, Perth also on the other side of Australia. Just kind of like the, those two coasts there. And like you say, everyone's really into being healthy. Everyone's really connected to the sea there and then swimming and, and getting grounded. And they're not as disconnected, it seems, as Americans are. So that's a really good sign over there, too. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's definitely inspired me a lot. And uh, we're, we're on the yoga mission over here. We're, we're staying at a yoga center. So every morning we're up early. We're all doing yoga. Then we're at the beach swimming. We're surfing. It's just been fantastic. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dave, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again really soon. Thanks so much, Luke. Aloha. This program was brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com. Thanks for listening.